0: You're listening to Car Seat Questions, a podcast for parents of curious kids. I'm Lauren.
1: And I'm Eddie. And if you're anything like us, you either have a kid or you care for a kid with questions. Questions about all sorts of things. So
0: for the next half hour, hop into the passenger seat, buckle your belt, and become childlike with us as the Lord takes us where he wants us to go.
1: Enjoy the show.
0: I have a friend who um, lives in the Uptown neighborhood of Chicago and Uptown um, is pretty, I guess you could say notorious, is well known for having a large homeless population. There's a lot of homeless shelters um, in Uptown and in Chicago, I don't know how it is elsewhere, but in Chicago, we have things called tent cities. So um, those experiencing homelessness will set up their tents under viaducts and bridges and things like that, you know, to stay away from elements. And to get to their house, they had to go under the same bridge every day, like to and from work. And their son, I think he was probably like four, five, six at the time. He uh, said one day, like, Mom and Dad, why don't we stop and give money to them every time? And uh, the, my friend, the dad, had to say, you know, like, we don't always have money to give all the time. And we do this twice a day. It would just be a lot for us to do this all day, every day. Um, And we serve in other ways. We serve the homeless community in other ways. You know, they come to our church and we uh, serve at the homeless shelter. But if you feel like that is something that you want to do, if you feel like that's how you want to serve this community, I will give you a roll of quarters and you can use that as you see fit. If you want to stop every time that we're going to and from work, that's great. If you just want to stop sometimes or whenever you're feeling like that's what you need to do, that's what we'll do. And so they started keeping a roll of quarters in the car for him to give to the folks that they see under the, under the bridge on their way home every day. And that just like really stuck with me. And I think about it somewhat often of how they really empowered their son to do, you know, something about the feelings he was having. He felt, I need to do something about this. I know this is not how it should be. How can I, like, what can I do? And why aren't we doing something about it? And being curious enough to like ask the question of, hey, like, why aren't you guys doing that? And I want to do something about it. And I think that's like what I really love about kids. Number one, how honest they are is like, hey, you guys should be doing something and you're not. And also, I would like to do something about this. How do we do that? And being curious enough to like ask the question and not being like, as adults, we're like scared to talk about homeless, homelessness and we're scared to talk about you know, people who are different than us, but kids are not. And they're just like, hey, that's different. And that looks like something that is different than how we live. Can we talk about that? And so I just was really struck by that story and kind of spurs me on to like, want to be able to empower our kids to serve those experiencing homelessness in ways that they feel they would like to and they feel is important to them because I think that looks different for everyone. So with that in mind, that's why we're joined today by Jamie Buxton. Hi, Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Jamie, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, where you are, your family, all of that. Yeah.
2: So first and foremost, I well, one, I love Jesus. Um, two, I'm a married mom of four boys ranging from 15 to seven. Um, and I have spent my entire uh, career working for the City Mission in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and at the city mission, we were founded over a hundred years ago to, um, mm. at that time really be the hand of the church to people who were looking for jobs and security, um, who are coming to the big city. Right. And so, um, that's still who we are, um, we provide help and hope to all people. And we do that by sharing the gospel and holistic programs to men, women, and children. So, um, You know, I wouldn't call myself an expert in anything, but if I was an expert (laughs) in something, I guess this is it, right? Um, I had the opportunity because I worked at the mission so long. I got um, engaged, then married, and then when I started having a family, I had an incredible boss who knew how passionate I was about the ministry that I was already in, and that time I was working in childcare um, at um, our women's crisis center called Laura's Home. And my boss said, I'm going to let you bring your kids to work. And so, I mean, obviously that happened over mm. time, but as soon as I came back from maternity leave, my babies were in the room with me mm. You know, I was getting to nurse my son while I'm teaching a Bible lesson to kids living That's in awesome. crisis. And mm. I just would have never even known to ask the Lord for that. Um, and I just feel mm. so blessed and, and really um, what a privilege it's been to continue in that ministry um, and get to raise my children like in it and with me. And mm-hmm. so we've grown together a lot. And so this is a subject I'm crazy passionate about is just helping, well, helping anyone understand homelessness and the stigmas that we need to mm-hmm. overcome and just rip off these labels that we have about homelessness. And then, um, but I, I love especially, like you said, Warren, talking to kids who just that compassion and empathy is built in and um -hmm. feed on that help them understand and so that they can be hopefully you know great human beings as children but like grow up to and to people who only grow that empathy for others
1: yeah so jamie can you give us just kind of like the the broad strokes of homelessness and maybe this is maybe this can be just your experience or in encounters um and then why you saw it fit and important to dedicate your life to, to this ministry.
2: Yeah. So if I'm being honest, you know, when I, I graduated with a degree in youth ministry and missions and truly had no idea what I was going to do with that. In fact, um, I had interned at um, a ministry in Chicago close to you all and thought that that might be where I'd end up, but kind of fell into this ministry kind of, you know, just really from having a friend in it. Um, But just, So quickly fell in love with um, the idea of coming alongside individuals, kind of in their darkest and weakest time. Uh, Nobody wants, um, at least to start, right? Nobody, nobody makes this grand choice that I want to be homeless. Um, I think there are many individuals that um, are stuck in homelessness, and it may seem to us as an outsider of saying, "Well, well, that's a choice at this point." When it's been generations and Mm -hmm. generations, but um, it's really because. It's comfortability. It's what they know, um, and so um, I love this opportunity to be able to um, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, kind of in this in this cycle of crisis, and when people are coming to us, at least you know in in our ministry, it's um, they're really seeking something more um, because we're kind of known um, in the Cleveland area as we're not just a holding spot. It really is a program, um, and so I think. Um, we have people when they're kind of ready, um, or at least they think they're ready. Um, So homelessness is a really big deal. Um, Like I said, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but um, (laughs) when I go in and I speak to children or adults, really, if if we're honest, and I said, close your eyes, Eddie and Lauren, and tell me what you see when you think of a homeless person. Um, Nine times out of 10, people are saying male. They're thinking about someone who may be disabled. Um, When you're when we're walking out of a Guardians game here in Cleveland or a Browns game, yeah, a panhandler, someone who's, you know, and, and that's what I think people initially think. And um, mm-hmm. that is not truly, at least not here in Cleveland, that's not the face of homelessness. Uh, while we do have um, some certain areas of tent camps like you were referring to, Lauren, we're not mm-hmm. like in L.A. Um, where homelessness is everywhere out in the streets and it's just kind of blatantly in your face. Uh, In Cleveland, we're talking about families who are living doubled up, which means they're living with friends or family Mm -hmm. members. A lot of times in not great, not safe situations, Um, people living out of hotels and motels, living out of their car. Um, And so it just, it's um, that stigma of like what it looks like um, is very, very different. Um, In Cleveland Metropolitan Mm -hmm. School District, so here, uh, there's 3,000 kids that are school age that are... Assigned in school as homeless. They're labeled on their school paperwork. 3,000. And when I think about that number, I think, whoa, that's a huge number, right? I saw your faces. It's a huge number. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a badge of honor. So think about how many families Mm -hmm. where mom hasn't told the truth that they're living doubled up or they're living out of a shelter. Um, Every shelter in Cleveland for women and children is full. So the face of homelessness really here in Cleveland um, is women with children um and unfortunately Mm. my experience and again i this is a very broad stroke so i like that you asked it that way eddie is um (laughs) these are not intact families most of the time um so a lot of people say well why don't you have a shelter for intact families there is one shelter in cleveland that can do that uh it's it's pretty rare though that a dad has children or it's a whole intact family Mm -hmm. um but again that's just my experience um so um it's a it's a really big deal. Um, in the United States, one in three homeless people is a child. And I think I read 700,000 people uh, are homeless. I'm sorry, uh, children are homeless between the ages of 13 mm-hmm. and 18. So this is a big deal. Homelessness is a really big deal. I mean, enough that we have, you know, big government entities that are trying to tackle this. Um, and so we're trying to, we're trying to tackle it as well um so yeah yeah you said that there's 3000
0: kids enrolled in schools in the Cleveland metropolitan area that are labeled as yeah. homeless you know in school how do you go about talking to kids that are going into school that may interact with a classmate that is homeless because in like elementary school the first time you're seeing, oh, other people live differently than me in no in any type of area of like, oh, they have a bigger house than me or they have a smaller right. house than me or they live somewhere else, is in elementary school. How do you talk to kids about
2: how to interact with classmates who may be homeless? So um, I always love teaching with a game. Um, that's the kind of mom that I am. It's the kind of preschool teacher I was. So when I have the opportunity to talk to students, um, you know, and it's interesting how that's had to kind of change over the years, because I think as I've been in this ministry longer, um, I just, this is my 18th year at the city mission. um, I kind of spoke as let's talk about homelessness as if no one in this room is homeless. And I've really had to change my own mindset. Mm. You know, the Lord continues to humble me and teach me. And so being cognizant now um, knowing that it's not just Cleveland metropolitan schools either, that every suburban school near us, mm-hmm. um, all of the different school districts. We've had children from those areas, even even some of the mo- most elite school districts. We've had students that come to us um, and are living at Laura's home um, and still going to school. So um, I, I play a game and I show, this will say how old I am, I guess. It's like clip art, <laughs> different kinds of houses. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like cartoony and fun. And sometimes I'll even throw in like Spongebob's house or whatever, but we're looking at like <laughs> um, a castle and I talk about, okay, we, Every we yell out, of course, because um, I love chaos. I love learning in chaos. So we yell out what kind of house it is, who lives in this house and where we might find this kind of house. So we go from a castle to like a mud hut to an adobe to a teepee. And then um, then we get into like kind of what you maybe you'd see like townhomes and apartments. And then we get to a duplex and then it finalizes with a single family home. But by that point, the kids are tired. You know, they think I'm ridiculous because we've answered all of these questions. And I, I make them think they just say, well, it's a house. And I say, what kind of a house? And without fail, um, I, think, at, I think one time I had some really smart students who would just not say it, but I hear the same answers. That's a normal, regular house right mm-hmm. because that's what they're accustomed to um and so i say oh you guys all failed right and i and so you know the connotation of normal or regular i say well a mud hut is a normal regular home in africa right a log cabin is a normal regular home if you live like in a wooded area or in the mountains and and we kind of go back through and talk about all of those things and again normalizing that we're all normal mm-hmm. right and so when I get to sprinkle in Jesus, which is not most of the time when I'm in these places, we talk about the image of God and, and that as well. But we say, you know, I, I immediately want to rip off those labels of what is normal because we're all normal. And then I kind of go through a diagram of what Laura's home kind of looks mm-hmm. like and talk about it. But um, so we start that way. So it's fun. It's learning. We're learning together. We all failed, right? We all we all got to that wrong conclusion and start rebuilding from there. I wish it was that easy with adults, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um
2: but so then we talk about um what is what does it mean to be homeless and and how can someone become homeless and and those are big questions mm-hmm. for little minds, right? And yeah. so um I I listen to them. I like I like um children to come up with their own ideas and I feed on that, right? No matter how crazy it can mm-hmm. be. We can get them back to okay whatever ground level is for learning there so that's how i start i your story of like what kind
0: of house is this reminds me of um when we had our son my sister brought her kids
1: to come visit us
0: (laughs) (laughs) and we live in chicago okay we live in the city of chicago not downtown we don't live in a high rise we live in a two-story walk up inner city yeah and they live in louisville kentucky and you know (laughs) In Louisville, Kentucky, you can get like a five-bedroom house for $250,000, right. okay? You can't get even like anything. that. Not. So um, they came to visit us. This is the first time they had ever come to our apartment because usually we were at, you know, my parents' house. as so was like a mutual location. So they're coming into our house and they're coming up the back <laughs> stairwell, which is like where you put like all your junk.
1: <laughs> and, like, it's, it's raggedy. Yeah. Like any Chicago apartment. <laughs> Like backdoor yeah, walk up is ragged.
0: Normally, it's outside. Ours happened to be enclosed, but it's still raggedy. <laughs> so our niece, she was probably seven or six okay. at the time. <laughs> She's walking up and she goes, "Are you guys going to clean this place up?" <laughs> 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 and, um, I was like, "Oh, um, no! This is like basically outside." <laughs> this, I know it's like close enclosed, but this is like basically outside. And first of all, this is not our house. We're renting it. And so we can't change anything. And this is just what it's right. like. Mm-hmm. This is what it's like to live in a city apartment. And then she gets inside and she's like, oh, you did clean up in here. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not like moldy wood like you just saw outside. Right. But just like the to- a totally different experience of, oh, people live differently than me and i think just watching her experience that for the first time was even eye opening for me to be like oh yeah like you don't know what it's like this is totally this is our norm but this is not your right. norm and mm-hmm. for kids to think about someone that lives totally opposite of them is like a big
2: revelation for them right and so even when we're going through that exercise i'll say does anyone live in a duplex does and you know inevitably mm-hmm. there is someone or I've gone on vacation on a houseboat. And I'm like, oh, wasn't that fun? And isn't that different? And, you know, (laughs) that we talk about why you can't have a houseboat in Cleveland year round because it's too cold. But, you know, like we go (laughs) off on those so that we have some shared experience and that they Mm -hmm. can be, you know, that they can kind of lead those discussions like, oh, I've been in a log cabin or, you know, some are not great descriptions. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. we're able to talk about them. And again, normalizing that to say you know just cuz you haven't and mm-hmm. that's not your experience doesn't mean that it's worse than this normal regular single family home right
0: right as your kids have kind of grown up with you at the city mission what have like what have been some questions that they've had for you along the way
2: goodness it's it's so funny um they've had less questions than you'd think because i think they mm-hmm. learned early on like oh wait these are kids just like me um um, you know that one of the hardest things has been, you know, families only stay with us six, nine, twelve months, and my kids are yeah. were there for the long haul. You know, and well, where did they go? And you know, or where are they living now? And mm-hmm. you know, um, in a lot of ways, sometimes my kids were jealous because they were like, they get to live here and mm-hmm. play here. Um, but yeah, I think they've had far less questions than I think. Because there is nothing mm-hmm. different about the children who are staying there, other than their living circumstances, right? And um, and I kind of love that. I mean, again, I didn't know to ask God for this opportunity, but mm-hmm. I love that their life has been normal coming alongside kids who are yeah. in crisis. But they look just like them. They yeah. talk just like them. They go to school. They like the same video games. You know they want the same pair of LeBron tennis shoes. I mean, you name it. There are far more commonalities than there are differences. So I feel like the questions have been fewer than anyone would have anticipated.
0: Yeah, this just kind of came to mind while you're saying that. Uh, it's uh, like uh. the short termness of people who are experiencing homelessness in in whatever area they are at. We went to a church in uptown that um, we had a lot of people experiencing homelessness that would attend there, and You become like friends with these people and then just like one day they're not there anymore because they're moving to a different shelter or they've got to live with a family, you know, a relative or something. Or they, you know, unfortunately had to go back onto the streets and they're not coming to church anymore. And so, and I remember feeling like really sad about that. Like, oh, I expected to see this person every week at church and interact with them at church. How do you... How do you deal with, like, such a rapidly changing
2: relationships with people that, like, you may never see yeah, again? It's really hard. That is probably the hardest um, part of mm-hmm. of my job. And, and while I'm in a less, like, resident-facing role now um, in my job, um, it was one of the most difficult things. Because especially, you know, our kids would become friends. We were moms together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they yeah. saw me on mm-hmm. my bad days. Um, so... It become it, it, that is difficult, and 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 ministry is hard that way, right? Like pastors see people come and go, pastors come and go. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, and and what makes it a little more problematic in this ministry is just that, even then, if I'd run into someone outside, um, you know, six months, twelve months, it happens from time to time um, that I run into um, a, a past resident they may not want to see me or admit why they know mm-hmm. me. So I can't be like, Hey, it's Miss Jamie from Laura's home. Remember me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like yeah. being okay with that, that, you know, I'm while our relationship was good, I may not represent something that was awesome for them. Um, yeah. You know, I hope, you know, that they have more good memories or, you know, ideas of what happened, you know, cause the goal is life transformation. Right. Um, but I may not represent Mm -hmm. that or at least my part in it. And so being okay with that too is really humbling. Like, it's like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. I'm Jamie. I'm here to save the world. Right. And, um, (laughs) and I think we as Christians can get that complex and it's not about us. Um, And so, yeah, um, yeah, it's difficult. And that was the most difficult Mm -hmm. thing for my kids um, because sometimes we would know a family was going and prepare, prepare ourselves. But then other times like, Big things change and change very quickly when you're in um, a cycle of crisis, right? And so a family could, mm-hmm. um, for a good or bad reason, leave quickly, and that was always challenging. Yeah. yeah, not being able to say goodbye.
1: Yeah, and I think something unique about the the church building was um, it was so we met like in the in a theater, right. and the the shelter was like on the first floor or the basement, mm-hmm. so they would always just kind of like come upstairs and, and even to this day, like there's still like people that I still remember like having like relationships with, you know, and then just like all of a sudden they just weren't around anymore or they'd be gone for a few months and like Mm -hmm. come back. And um, yeah, it was kind of a, it was kind of sad, Mm -hmm. right. Because, you know, we would talk about life and about Christ and um, I was a worship leader at the time. So we'd talk about music and then just kind of like those relationships, just kind of like, you know, whether away was just mm-hmm. a little unfortunate. But yeah. um, to be able to still remember right. them, you know, I think it's still um, really
0: important. Yeah. Um, in whether it's your kids or kids that you're teaching about homelessness, has there been anything that has been like kind of um, eye opening for you, like questions that they ask and you're like, oh, that's kind of humbling or that's something I never thought of or
2: convicting, you know, is there something they've taught you that's a really good question. Maybe it's not as surprising and we've kind of alluded to it. Is just how quickly kids can kind of debunk mm-hmm. what we think. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just how, um, you know, I go through that small lesson, you know, it's 15 minutes of looking at cartoon houses that's and sweet. they're like all in, right? And, you know, and I think about how long it took me to like, because I think adults, I'm continuously asked, you know, what's the number one people or number one reason people are homeless? And like, it's got to be drug addiction. It's got to be this. And it's like, yeah. whoa, whoa. Like, um and it took me, I think, years to mm-hmm. kind of figure out how I um can kind of um explain and help come alongside people and understanding that. But kids are like, oh, okay, well, bad <laughs> stuff happens. It gets out of control. They come to you for help and, or they're, they're seeking help. And so, um you know, just, and then I'm not even talking about Christian kids, right? Like I'm just talking about kids. And so um, I think that's the most challenging thing. And like, because my kids, not that they're super Christians, because I assure you they are not and they are little stinkers. <laughs> but, you know, um, I can even become blinded. Like the story you were saying um, when we started, Lauren, um, I can see someone by the side of the road mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, but I'm on my way to the mission. Like, Lord, you know my heart. Like, I love homeless people, yeah. but like, don't make eye contact. Let's just move on, right? And um, my my third son, Asher, it just like that is not for him. He he wants to know what can we do? How can we help? What's mm-hmm. the right thing to do? Um, and so he often is my little challenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and do you see that person? Should we have stopped, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, I think just how quickly kids can just like rip away um, like what other people think and come and be like, We gotta help people,' or that's a normal person like me. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and I think we've we've kind of been hinting at that throughout this conversation. but like what are like what are the the common misconceptions about homelessness that we are either teaching our kids consciously or subconsciously based on? Again, like what we mm-hmm. assume uh, right. homelessness is.
2: Yeah. So I think the number one thing that bothers me and the number one thing that um, really, you know, um, is apparent like on our social media when we're, when we're sharing the work that we're doing at the, at the City Mission and we're not alone. Um, but people will say, well, homeless people are just lazy. Why can't they <laughs> just get a job? Why don't they work at McDonald's or any fast food? Um, you know, there's tons of job openings and um gosh those are really hard things to see because you can't fight with people and, on yeah. social media um while people try um <laughs> but like <laughs> um just trying to help some understand you know we have a woman with three children um to even go have a um have an interview she'd have to leave her children unattended to go to an interview and then let alone if she gets the job how quickly she can get child care if she can get a voucher and then find a suitable child care and then how many hours a week she'd have to work at said fast food restaurant. And it would be like a hundred hours a week. And then we'd probably say, well, why isn't this woman taking care of her children? And like so many of those things that, you know, it's just not simple answers. If it was a simple answer, the government would have figured it out by now. The church would have completely figured it out. Right. Like the, we wouldn't have homelessness anymore, but it's Mm -hmm. such it's, it's layers and layers of crisis um, that, that are peeling back, and helping someone and coming alongside someone so our ministry really consists of a longer holistic ministry because we want to get to know the individual Mm -hmm. and what is keeping them from living Mm self-sufficiently and so that can be so many different things you know unhealthy relationships it can be addiction it can be mental health it can be physical health Mm -hmm. it can be um um divorce or i mean there's so many things and i think that for me has been still even after 18 years no stories no two stories are the same and the depth of the hurt and crisis and trauma um, that coincide when someone is living without a home. So I forget your question now, Eddie. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So basically like the, the second half of the question is like, what, what do you think we are either consciously or subconsciously like teaching our kids?
2: Yeah. So I think that we can, and I can, i'm 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 speaking to myself here, I do not pretend to be perfect, but that homeless people may be um maybe lazy or mm-hmm. or the stigma of mental health or dirty mm-hmm. or you know um so many of those things. I mean, like I said, when you close your eyes and and picture it, um what is actually what is homelessness um uh, but I think number one is um the lazy and that they don't care about helping themselves. Yeah. Um, I think for sure that's a big stigma um, in the tent camp areas like Mm -hmm. that you were describing, Lauren, that people are like, well, this is their choice. Well, I mean, you can bend that how how you want, but when it's all that you know, when you've been raised in generational poverty, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the same way that living in suburbia is is how I was raised. So that's where I'm most comfortable, Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever that is. Uh, that's what you know and so it's not necessarily your choice so much as Mm. you know this is how you've lived and now it's it's the only way you know how to live yeah um and so yeah I think I think that's it the the laziness or that they don't want to help themselves
1: Mm. yeah I think I think this was really eye opening for me when I became a student at Moody um, because the the campus is like right on the outskirts of downtown if you've ever been here and there are um, a lot of like pockets right of just like homelessness, you know just everywhere, and um as moody students like moody students they're usually like at least the first two years they're like really active in the community, whether it's like evangelism or whether it's just like hanging out like with with homeless people um we were just kind of always doing something different- usually like on weeknights and things like that, and um sometimes I would like we would hang out with homeless people and these people are like again like, kinda, like the kind of like cold debunks the thing of like all these they, like they can't like help themselves or like they don't like they're not educated or you know every, you know this is like the bad decisions that they made but like we've talked to like people who have degrees we've talked to people who used to be like ceos of companies mm-hmm. who are smart and eloquent and you know but again like the the entire story of course like we don't like really know um right. but like again like that the whole segment of like well these people are just kind of like the 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 bottom of mm-hmm. you know the bottom of of, of the crop and that like that's not yeah that's not like true. Mm-hmm. And so for me, again, it was just a very eye opening experience because when when you actually got to talk to these people, it was just like like wow, like this is not again, this is like not what mm-hmm. I thought you know this would yeah. this would be like and mm-hmm. and for the most part like they they would like never ask us for anything sometimes they just like want to talk mm-hmm. you know and again i think that's that's also something that we might also struggle with too is that we just sometimes just waterway want to do stuff yeah right but right. we also don't want to like actually take the time to like yeah, get to know these people um and like hear their stories and like see where they are where they've come from
2: yeah I, you know this is the jamie buxton opinion so not mm-hmm. anybody else's but you know, when somebody does ask me what is the biggest theme, I say um, that the reason people experience homelessness is because they don't have an intact, healthy support system. One of the other biggest fallacies about um, homeless individuals are people experiencing homelessness is they don't have families. Well, of course, many of them have families. You know, very few are living in this area alone, uh, but they don't have families. They've been raised in generational poverty or they're coming out of trauma. That they don't have families who can help support them, mm. which is why we'll see at Laura's home three generations of a family mm. come to us. Because um, you know something I didn't understand is if you have senior housing, so let's say you're the matriarch, you're the grandmother of a family, and you're living in government housing, right? You're living in government housing, and you have it's for seniors. Um, if you have, if your daughter then has an issue with her children and she comes to stay with you over 14 days that then that breaks the contract of your housing agreement. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see three generations of a family come to us because grandma tried to help her daughter and her grandchildren. I mean, so there's no lack of love or family. It's just the resources. Um, And financial resources are just one of the many resources that an individual needs, right? And Mm -hmm. But I think so many times people think, oh, finances is the number one issue. It's really not. It's an intact support system with um, role models and support systems, and so yeah, you're right. I think they're seeking community just like any of us. You know, yeah. just like I want community and support. Um, that's that's exactly what they're they're missing, and the the healthy part of that. And so, yeah,
0: yeah. For those kids who, like you said, I think you said you're your middle son, and the, um, our friend who I talk, talked about earlier, kids who are really sensitive to those experiencing homelessness. How do you suggest getting our kids involved in serving those who are homeless?
2: Yeah. Well, I loved the story that you told. Um, something that I do, and I, and I will say I'm guilty right now. We need to replenish and get restocked. But um, I like to carry snack bags. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, lots of people ask me, should I give somebody... Money, knowing that they could use it for drugs or alcohol, and I'm like, if your conscience is saying mm-hmm. to you that you want to give somebody money, then I am not going to stop you. Does every homeless person use it for something negative? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if that's your question, you know, then, or if that's how the Lord is leading you, then by all means, give money. Um, we'll do snack bags, and I've I've had the opportunity to speak at several churches about this. And they just make like little homeless care kits that might have some small hygiene items, mm-hmm. um, a toothbrush and toothpaste. Um, and in our community, I'm sure I meant to do a little research before this. Um, this exists any, in most big cities, I would think. We have what we call a street card. Mm-hmm. And it's a list of all of the shelters and all of the places that have food pantries and clothing giveaways. And so to have an updated street card, um, a, a bag with a granola bar and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, crackers, And then some hygiene items and then i think a bus pass for us Mm -hmm. here at cleveland it's an all-day bus pass it's about five dollars um and so you know that if you give somebody these resources they can use that bus pass any way they'd like and they could get to any of those places on that Mm -hmm. list within the day um and i to me that's a dignified way of blessing someone and you're taking those big questions out well what are they going to do with the money you're taking that off of your back right Mm -hmm. and so but you're giving a great resource to someone so that's that's what I think is best but you know if 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 you don't if you're not carrying around a homeless care kit and a lot of times of course we're not um do what you you see fit uh, as an organization we've also created little um little maps that say how to get to our men's crisis center and to our women's crisis center and we do tell people you know pair that with a bus pass so that mm-hmm. people can get to us um so I think that's a dignified way of yeah. giving somebody help um and it's It's helped, um, my children. Um, you know, I'd love to say that anytime I see a homeless person, I throw them in the car and take them. Um, my oldest, much to his dismay would be so embarrassed um, because I did that once with all my kids in tow. My husband was not super pleased with me. Um, but we did, we picked up a woman who was fresh out of jail in our little suburban community and needed a ride to the other side of town. And I, I, I mean, it was nothing but the Lord, but I don't know what I was thinking outside of. I'm just <laughs> going to do this. Okay, God. And we put this woman in the car. I handed my phone to my son and said, anything goes bad, call dad. <laughs> and so <laughs> and we drove her 25 minutes across town. I don't know if that's the most, um, you know, that's probably not the smartest thing to always do. But um, you do what the, Lord, what the Lord leads you, right? And um, when you have little eyes watching you, um, like I know you guys know now and you'll have even more of that soon. Um, it's amazing how their their little minds and their mm-hmm. little hearts can convict you to to do the right thing or just do something different than you've done it before. So yeah. um, even even the granola bars was my Asher's idea because he mm-hmm. was like, sometimes I'm in a hurry, like I said, and I'm just like, no, we're not stopping not, or I, I don't have any cash or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, So yeah, I think those are important things. To let then have a little skin in the game and think about mm-hmm. what's important
0: what would you kind of as a final closing thought um what do you see in scripture of how we as Christians in the church should serve those experiencing homelessness?
2: oh goodness so many things but I even took some notes because I knew I didn't want to mess this part up <laughs> uh, but of course you know of course matthew twenty five right whatever you did for the least of these mm. um I mean I think that's the go-to but goodness, I was reading in Proverbs, um, the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. Um, And again, um, in an earlier verse in Proverbs, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. I mean, like, these are big things that Mm -hmm. God calls us to. And he's, I mean, it's not questionable. It's not like, oh, what does he mean by does that mean homeless? I'm like, it says poor. Like this is, mm-hmm. to me, it's just black and white. Like God calls us to love individuals who are experiencing homelessness, experiencing crisis, and living without the kind of resources that we have. Um, and, and he calls us to compassionately come alongside them and share. Mm-hmm. And so um, even if we don't have a lot to share, right? Like, because sometimes I'm like, I don't have much, God. Um, so um, yeah, I think he's pretty black and white about it. And yeah, um, that's certainly not just how I want to live, but certainly how I want to teach my kids. Right. And I think it's so, so, so important.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, great, Jamie. This was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have learned a lot. Um, I know. And again, this is something that um, at least us living here in the city Chicago, you know, experience almost on a, on a daily basis. And so now it's, yeah, it's, it, for me, it's like kind of like a, a reshaping, of how I might look at, you know, someone, right. Cause again, our minds want to go somewhere immediately, but now it's just like, no, like that person has a story and I don't know, I don't know what it is, you know? And yeah, being able to now, uh, walk our son, you know, through this, I think, we, I think we feel a little more mm-hmm. <laughs> better equipped to do that. Um, so thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to us about this. Um, Absolutely. With all of our episodes, we like to end with a benediction. So if you would please join us in that. To him who is able to do far more than we can understand, may he give us the wisdom to raise our children to first love God above all else and love others as themselves. Go in peace.
0: Amen. Thank Amen. you, Jamie, for joining us and thank you to the listener for uh, catching us again. We ask you to subscribe, follow, rate. Those reviews and ratings really help us find other people like you who'd want to listen. So go into the Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen and rate us. And we will catch you next Wednesday. Thanks.
1: Bye.